Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go to him and show him his fault, but do it privately just between yourselves. If he listens to you, you have won your brother back. But if he will not listen to you, take one or two other persons with you so that every accusation may be upheld by the testimony of two or more witnesses, as the scripture says. And if he will not listen to them, then tell the whole thing to the church. Finally, if he will not listen to the church, treat him as though he were a pagan or a tax collector. Prohibiting and permitting. And so I tell all of you, what you prohibit on earth will be prohibited in heaven, and what you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And I tell you more, whenever two of you on earth agree about anything you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, I am there with them. This is the word of the Lord. My grandpa Webb, who is my mom's dad, was pretty much the only grandpa I had growing up. My grandpa Rathbun, he died when I was 14, which I know sounds like a lot of growing up time, but um, my family going way back, they're all from Southern California, from Ventura all the way through Orange County and LA, Inland Empire, all the way down to San Diego, all the way to the border. That's where all my family's from, but uh, in about 1972, or about 1972, actually February, uh, my whole, my family, my mom, dad, my brother, sister, we all moved from Southern California uh, because God had uh, called my dad to move here to start a church. My dad was a minister; he still is, and I don't know exactly what it sounded like when my when God called my dad to move from Southern California to St. Paul in February in 1972. But I know my dad well enough to know that uh, if God calls him to do something, he's, he's going to do it. So, yeah, we moved here, and all my family, grandparents, cousins, everything, we left them, left them all there in Southern California, and we came here. So all that point is just to say that um, my grandparents, I never really saw them that much. And even though I didn't see my, grand, my grandpa Rathbun, well, tell his funeral. But, um, but uh, when I went off to college, uh, God called my dad up again and told him to move back to Southern California. And so they all moved to Southern California, and I stayed here in, in college. But um, very soon after I started college, I was invited to take a break from it by the institution, and so then I moved back to Southern California too. I don't know who God was talking to to make that happen, but I ended up back in Southern California, um, which was a great time where I spent a lot of time with my, uh, my Grandpa Webb. And um, my Grandpa Webb was, uh, well, I really wanted that grandpa experience, like that wise old grandpa kind of experience. I was in college and, you know, thought it was interesting how he suffered in the past, you know, um, with a living on that farm and everything. And uh, also, um, John Cougar Mellencamp had just added the Mellencamp and was making records about farming and stuff. And it was farm aid. So I just thought, yeah, this is great. These are my people. I mean, sure, they live in San Diego. But um, 
he had that grandpa vibe to him like that. And I wanted to, I don't know, I kind of wanted that wise grandpa stuff. But he, uh, he wasn't much of a talker. And uh, he'd grown up in Missouri um, during the Depression. And um, his father, I guess they were like, I want to say like salt of the earth, but I think I only want to say that because that's what you would say about somebody who grew up in Missouri in the Depression. Um, he was a dirt farmer again. Don't know what you grow on a dirt farm. I think you grow in it, the dirt. But uh, he was that kind of guy. But I just, I just thought he was cool. He dressed like that. He had one of those, you know, like a farmer. He always had a handkerchief in his back pocket. And when we'd go out to walk the land, he called it, it was about an acre and a quarter in, outside of San Diego. He, he'd put on a feed cap, and he'd hand me one, and I'd put it on, and we'd just go, and we'd walk the land. And... Uh, he'd show me what he'd planted recently or, you know, there's some about, you know, the bowling balls he found, you know, and now he has them on display. I don't know why. It's just all the old stuff he had. We'd walk around and, uh, and look at it, and I kept trying to urge wisdom out of him, you know? I mean, I like this walking around wearing the feed cap and stuff. That was working for me, but I just wasn't getting the, that whole grandpa wisdom thing I wanted. Um, but I guess I did learn some things from him, maybe not as practical as you'd like. I do know the correct uh, valve gap on a 1964 Ford 300 straight six, you know, which I haven't used much since then. But uh, also he taught me how to beat the uh, palm branches with a broom to chase the rats out of them so they don't nest in there. Again, I haven't used it much. That's those skills since then. Um, oh, also, this was helpful. He said, never in any, and he looked at me, you know, right in the eyes for the good stuff. He said, I want you to never, ever, under any circumstances, jump off when somebody else is up on the teeter-totter. So I thought that was good. That one I did use. Um, yeah, so we would walk around and I would try and, you know, get him to talk and give me all this wisdom as a young, uh, you know, recently furloughed college student. Um, and we ended up in his, they say, we ended up in his shed, which is kind of where we always ended up, because that's where all the cool stuff was. That's what he, he uh, you know, he, there, it was filled with things that he said, uh, you know, I just found this. Somebody was throwing this out. This could be worth something if we could fix it. And that was mostly the stuff in there. Not, quite, not fixed, but you know, one day. You know, he had all kinds of things. I don't know, he had a lot of line trimmers. He had, uh, he, had a, he had a lot of jars without lids, and he had a lot of lids without jars, which I thought maybe you could match them up, but it didn't seem like that. Oh, he had books too, like this one, oh good, it just doesn't have a cover on it, you know? I can make me a cover, he said. You know, so we had those, and I, would, I just told him one time, I said, Grandpa, you know, I appreciate learning all about the stuff that you told me, and um, yeah, I think people uh, do get too concerned with having a guard on that chainsaw. It's perfectly fine, you're right. But um, just, I want some of that wisdom stuff, and he just like, he knew me, right? He was like... So what you're telling me, he said, is you want some old story 
from back when I was a kid and some wisdom I learned? And I said, yes, yes, that is what I learned. He said, okay, I'll tell you. And he took that uh, handkerchief out of his back pocket and started wiping his hands off like he had grease on him. He always did that. And, uh, and he blew his nose on it, wiped his forehead with it, put it back in his pocket. And he said, well, I got married when I was 17. And, uh, you know, we lived with your grandma's family. We moved in there. And... Uh, they had uh, Uncle, Uncle Blind Ellis had been living with them forever. Beloved, Uncle Blind Ellis. And I said, you mean blind Uncle Ellis? No, Uncle Blind Ellis. He was blind, though. I checked. And everybody in the family loved him. And uh, frankly, your mom's family, most of them didn't really care for me that much. I never was quite sure why. But they didn't. But I thought, if I could get Uncle Blind Ellis to take a shine to me, well then, they would all love me too. So uh, I got hanging around and said, well, Ellis was heading out at the beginning of the day. And I'm like, well, can I come along with my grandma said. OK. He said, Uncle Blind Ellis, he brought me along with it. And I said, where we're going? And uh, Uncle Blind Ellis said, we're going hunting. And I said, Huh. And I was sure to walk behind it, but he said, no, don't worry about it. We don't need guns. I, I trap birds, you know, and I'll show you how to trap birds. And my grandpa said, he was quite amazing watching him. He was blind, but he knew those woods. He'd walk through there. He could, you know, he'd stop and he'd make me stop and listen. And he'd tell me, can you hear that? And he swore he could hear the fish. He could hear everything. He could hear birds coming in. He said, so he took me there. And he took out these little traps, and he said, now here, you put yours over there. And he showed me how to set up this bird trap. And, and I looked over where he was setting his up, and I thought maybe I should probably go help him, my grandpa said, because, uh, I mean, everybody did love him, but I don't know. I don't know if a blind man can catch a bird. But, so I went over there to help him, but he said he was fine. So I was like, okay, I guess that's it. I wasn't quite sure if I had won him over, because what had we done? I just followed this blind guy around in the woods and put some sticks together for birds to get caught. So we're walking back, and then he stopped. He said, did you hear that? And my grandpa said, well, I didn't hear anything, but, you know. I said, well, well yeah, I think I did hear that. He said, those are the birds. We just got a couple birds. And I said, oh, sure, all right, well. He said, let's go back and get him. I followed him over here, my grandpa said, and we first got to my trap, and would, you couldn't believe it, there was a bird in there. He's like, you just grab up that bird and you put it in your sack. He'd give it us, we each had a gunny sack. Gunny sack? I might have made you that up too just because of the whole Missouri farm thing. I don't know, it's a gunny sack. Flower sack? That would probably be popular too. Um, messenger bag? No, that's not quite the same vibe. But anyway, put it in your put that bird, and, and my grandma said that bird, it was a pretty good sized bird, it was, I don't know what kind it was, it was, a, it was kind of gray, it was dark colored, but ah, I put it in my sack. Then we went over, and he said to me, now, did you, did you see a bird in my trap? And my grandpa looked, and it was the most beautiful bird he, uh, he ever saw, my grandpa said. It was big, but it also had so many different colored feathers, just long and beautiful feathers, you know, and my grandpa said, you know, 
it was almost a shame we killed it, which was saying a lot for him because that's what you did with most animals. That's why you had them around, so you could kill them and eat them. Um, that was his philosophy. But he said, I thought to myself, those feathers are so beautiful. I said, I bet your grandmother, is what I was saying, would love one of these feathers to put in her hat for Sunday. And my grandma said, I got to thinking, now, Uncle Blind Ellis, he's blind. He doesn't know what the bird looks like. Mine is just this old brown kind of thing. And his is this most beautiful, gorgeous bird. And then when he said to me, will you grab that bird for me and put it in my bag? He said, well, that blind Uncle Ellis was holding that bag out. And so I took that bird out of his trap and I pulled my gray one out of my bag and I put it in his bag. And then I put the pretty one in my bag. And I just, we were walking home and he said, I'll, I'll tell you, I felt good. I felt good. I'd gone out with my Uncle Ellis. I got this beautiful bird. I'm going to bring it back and show everybody they're going to love me. And so I, we were walking. I asked him, how did you get blind? I just, you know, as long as we're walking and talking. He said, well, in the war. He was in World War I. And uh, he, got sh he said, I got shot in the head and I got blind. So I said to my grandpa, I said, did he say I got shot in the head and I got blind? Or is that you saying that? He's like, he said something like that. There wasn't a lot of nuance with my grandpa's story. I was glad he was trying for me. But uh, so then I said to him while we're walking, so how was it? World War, World War I, boy, I can't imagine being in war. And he said, oh, it was hard, Uncle Blind Ellis said. Oh, it was, it was hard to see what, what, what men do to each other. And then my grandma said, I was trying to, he was trying to get a little philosophical, so I would too. I said, I said to him, oh, blind, Uncle Blind Ellis, why is it that men do things like that? Why do men hate each other? Why do men fight with each other? And my grandpa looked at me and said, you know, and then he kind of looked away. He said, you know, and he looked down again over to the side. I said, why do men do that to each other? And Uncle Blind Ellis said, men hurt each other because they do to each other what you have done to me today. My grandpa looked down again. I almost thought maybe there was a tear in his eye. And he wasn't that kind of a guy. And uh, my grandpa said, I was felt so bad. I felt so bad. How did he even know? Here he's showing me all this stuff. And so I followed him home. I didn't say much more. We put both our bags, hung them up on the porch, and he went inside. And my grandpa said, I switched him back. And a blind uncle Ellis came out. And he says, are you all right? He said to my grandpa, my grandpa said, when men hurt each other like that, how do they make things better? And Uncle Blind Ellis said, they do what you just did. And my grandpa looked over the side again, and I noticed that he had this book open, and he just 
closed it and it said American folk tales on it. Thank you.